You are listening to the Corona Diaries, brought to you by Allegra. For more information, please visit allegralaboratory.net. So, Terve from Finland. This is Susanne Woodall reporting once again for the Corona Diaries of the Allegra Laboratory. This time around, I'm feeling more comfortable walking in the shoes of an audio diarist. So, let's get talking. One evening this week when I was walking my dog near my house and I was passing a construction site for a large housing area that is rising up from what used to be the experimental fields of the agricultural university, I was filled with an apocalyptic feeling. A storm was rolling in, rain smattered down and large tarpaulins covering the gaping window frames of the soon-to-be homes of future residents fluttered eerily in the wind. I dragged my dog along, and he, of course, was intent on stopping to sniff each smell message left by his canine compatriots. And I also chastised myself for not checking the weather report before embarking on my walk. One car passed me on the road as I headed up the hill that I had to ascend before reaching our street. So now we're going on day 26 of the lockdown and it feels unreal. The threat, the stagnation of society. I can't really see it anywhere because my sejours outside consist of dog walks and they haven't changed substantially. I meet basically the same dog owners and people who regularly exercise walking or jogging through the parks surrounding my house. Everything seems the same just a bit more desolate, but overall, the environment looks the way it always has. It's uncanny when you know that hospitals are busy saving lives and the death death toll is still rising. I know a number of people who've had the virus, who have struggled through it and now seem to be getting better. That's my reality check. The Outside environment may seemingly be the same as before, but one area has changed substantially, and that's the home. What we do at home. Of course, my musings come from a position of privilege, of being middle class, of living in a welfare state, of working with something that can be done at home. I don't need to be on the streets. I don't need to put myself at risk. But nevertheless, it is my home as a space of sociality that has changed. And we're all experiencing growth pains regarding what is taking place inside four walls. To self-employed people, working from home is an everyday kind of activity. But now it is also a novel activity for a massive number of people in Finland and around the globe. So one particular area that really tickles my curiosity at the moment is transitioning. What happens when we cannot transition from one role into another because we are constantly at home? We cannot transition from our home selves into our work selves, or our children do not transition from being kids at home into becoming pupils at school. So it does create some tricky, awkward, and also humorous situations. Through video conferencing and distance schooling over the internet, we've been able to peer into the homes of people, 
In the early days of the crisis, some people seemed to forget that the teacher could see the father in briefs, strutting about in the room behind the child, receiving instructions on school assignments, or that colleagues could see our piles <coughs> of washing on the sofa, or what types of slouching about clothes we have hidden in our closets. How do you start your work day or school day when you don't travel anywhere? Loads of advice on LinkedIn and Facebook about how to adapt to working at home. <clears throat> Postings with questions about how you dress for work nowadays and who suits up for a Zoom meeting. How to separate an area of your home as a workspace and how to deal with background noise when you have a meeting and a family member puts on the kettle or the dog barks or your children are squealing in the living room. I gradually started realizing what caused the glitch in my son regarding going to school while he was at home. The lack of strict routines. So I wrote him a schedule that included breaks to run around the house or take the dog for a walk or have a snack. Without structure, our day risks becoming an endless flow of activity that can be extended into the evening. And when we don't have the option to just get up and leave our home to experience something different or new, our social contours become blurry. So one thing is clear, and that's that we need structure and habitual activities to keep us on track in all our home roles as workers, parents, and children, as partners. Although the space we act in has diminished, it's important to keep acting, doing, constructing our social reality. We need to employ something called minimal agency. Minimal agency describes what we do when faced with uncertainty. Although society may be experienced as unsafe right now, we can create patterns of certainty, embrace contingency, instead of trying to control the situation we are in, because our only means of control is hygiene and isolating ourselves from physical contact with others. We need to act in order to keep our hold and our families hold on the world. To reconstitute meaningful webs of kinship, residence and identity. It gives rise, rise to deep existential questions. Who are we now in this world of turmoil? What is the meaning of home? These deep questions may seem too deep when we're just trying to live through the current situation, but they do point to the human tendency to create everyday rituals to keep our lives on keel and to bring some kind of meaning to our lives right now. Rituals and routines is what helps keep us sane, that we continue doing even the small things that are possible to do those things that are possible to do in our homes. Still on the issue of the comforts of home, 
might want to move into an area or into the area of the homegrown of creating self-sufficiency for the homeland for my homeland or for any homeland so a Swedish friend of mine from my high school years is now a journalist for the New York Times and uh, she looked into the question of self-sufficiency self in the time of the corona crisis and it turns out that Finland is the prepper nation of the Nordics. We have the biggest stockpiles of protective equipment, such as surgical masks and other medical supplies, but also of grains, oil, and agricultural tools. So we haven't tapped into these stockpiles since World War II. They say the masks are old, but they still function. And I think you can't be very picky in these times when you need a lot of medical supplies. Our experiences during World War II mm, has taught us not to be dependent on others. And of course, in a situation when all nations want medical supplies, you can't base your procurement on ordering something from China or any other place. And it's clear that we have all been driven into a global economy where self-sufficiency and essential goods is a distant dream. I remember hearing this from the farmers I did research on for my PhD, that Finland needs to be self-sufficient in food production. And now we see why they, said, why they said that. They saw it as a very important matter that we could feed our people. And among many of them, there was this kind of historical fear of Russia that we can never know when they will invade again and cut us off from essential food supplies. While well, most people would call this being conservative and backward looking, making a fuss and being uncomfortably suspicious, maybe even a bit paranoid. But after this crisis, we, we may revise our opinions and again value local production even if it costs more than cheaper food that comes from abroad. Perhaps more people will seriously consider at least, consider growing at least some of their own food. It may be a new dawn for sustainable food production and favoring of ecological production and a further growth, growth of urban gardening. More people may move their homes to the countryside or live there part-time, commuting into the cities at regular intervals. Well, we're lucky because in Finland there's plenty of space and homes waiting to be occupied outside of the urban areas, villages just yearning for revival. Since the 70s, we have seen a constant rural to urban migration flow. And now a gradual reversal may gain new wind in its sails. It was already gaining momentum before Corona. I have for some time been involved in a group called the City Mall Asset, which liberally translates into the city rules. And the agenda that we have is to find ways to support city dwellers to consider the option of reversing this rural to urban flow 
and contribute to the revival of villages and houses left to slowly go to rack and ruin. And within this group, we discuss op options and also what changes may, for example, be needed in municipal taxation for those living in two locations, or where to find suitable housing, what skills you may need to make it in a rural environment, or how to solve transportation issues in a rural area if you don't own a car or actually do not even want to own a car. So I think a, a virus can be a wake-up call in many senses. It can launch new directions and forms of sociality. And I think that in order for us to move forward, we need to believe a change is possible. One in which we also revise our consumption patterns and reconsider what is worth spending our time and money on. Do we need more stuff or better connections between people? looking out for each other. If Corona has taught us one thing, it's the meaning of connection. No person is an island. This, I firmly believe. With this, I will sign off and wish you well for the week to come. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Moikka from Finland.